Merchant to Merchant is brought to you by Something Digital, a Magento Enterprise and Shopify Plus partner. Something Digital is an award-winning digital agency that will put your e-commerce site to work. Visit them online today at somethingdigital.com slash podcast. Welcome to Merchant to Merchant. I'm Philip Jackson, and I'm the Chief Commerce Officer at a company called Something Digital. And we uh, build and maintain e-commerce websites for some of the most recognizable brands in the world. And two of them are with us here today. And I want to welcome them here to the show. Uh, joining us, this is our very first virtual event. Usually this is a live in-person event. And uh, rejoining us for the second time and probably now, I think our first repeat guest ever on the show is the Chief Marketing Officer at Industry West, Ian Leslie. Say hi. Hi. That's like makes me the Alec Baldwin of, of something digital. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You are you are a recurring yeah. guest hostess with the mostest. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Industry West for those who may not know. So Industry West is a um, furniture company based out of Florida. We were e-com only for our first uh, eight to nine years. Opened in Soho, our first brick and mortar, uh, last spring, April 2019, um, and have been around for about 10 years. We do both B2B and B2C, uh, and uh, yeah, but primarily e-tail is our, is our bread and butter. Uh, that's awesome. And just for those who may not know, you have a, a showroom on Crosby, I believe? We do, yeah. Yeah, 14 in, Crosby uh, in Street Soho. in Soho. Correct. And that's been shut. Uh, it has time. been shut. Yeah. Yeah. We shut, I guess, whenever this all started. We shut it about a month ago. Yeah. Interesting oh, well. times. We'll, we'll get we'll there. Come. I guess we'll touch on that point in a second. Yeah. We'll, we'll touch on that in a bit. Thanks, Ian, for uh, rejoining us and uh, reprising your role as the host with the most. Uh, Denise, welcome to Merchant to Merchant. This is your first time on the show, but Bowman Hats has, ma- has made an appearance prior. Uh, Say hi to the people and tell us a little bit about who you are and what Bowman Hats is. Sure. So I am Denise Foley. I'm the um, Vice President of E-Commerce and Direct-to-Consumer for Bowman Hat Company. Um, If you haven't heard of us, uh, don't feel bad. Not a lot of people have. Uh, Bowman Hat Company has been in business since 1868. So we are in our 152nd year. Um, We started, uh, we still manufacture outside of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. So we have a factory. We're the oldest hat manufacturer continual in the country. Um, and we own a bunch of brands or are the sole licensee of, um, another brand, um, Kangle, which, uh, probably is one of our most recognizable brands. And so I run the e-commerce division, which is a smaller but growing division and focus of the company, um, and also manage our um, store in Santa Monica, California, which right now is um, furloughed. Wow. Uh, So what a time to be alive. And uh, I haven't actually hosted a, a webinar uh, like this, uh, where we're actually talking about ways to manage through this moment. Uh, you all, in my conversation with you, have had very different uh, approaches. And I've been very inspired by the way that you've led through it. Uh, Ian, you've been very vocal online about some of your uh, struggles and successes. And I thought we could sort of start with uh, just recognizing the moment that we're all in, in the industry, and uh, how e-commerce for some is... Uh, the lifeline that's you know propping up the rest of your business, and for others, it's uh, it's an area that represents underinvestment that uh, could probably be doing better. And so I thought maybe let's kind of start with let's just take stock of where we all are right now. Let's start with you, Ian. How how is e-commerce for you, and uh, how are you handling uh, your current situation in the business? Yeah, so I mean, I think um, e-commerce has been. We've been good. We've been steady. Uh, we've been, you know, even dare I say, strong. Um, but it's it's a different in terms of who the customer's been. Um, you know, definitely we have seen much more on the consumer side and less, obviously, to the trade and hospitality, restaurants, offices, obviously, um, not buying, and, and the future of them not buying is a concern um, as well as we see what's going on in the economy. Uh, where less tables in restaurants means less chairs in restaurants, less furniture. Uh, same with, you know, these businesses restarting. So I'm mean, going to think AOV is a concern for us. Um, we've seen 
our sister site, uh, Favor, which is in favorof.com, which is home decor, accessories, much lower AOV than Industry West has struck a chord. Um, we've done, I mean, this month that's closing over uh, November, December, kind of cyber week, um, we're up almost 150%. So, I mean, I think that's struck an amazing chord. Um, Industry West is up. We know... Um, CPMs across the board are down, which is helping e-commerce. And, and our digital team that we work with at um, Gupta Media has actually been in the forefront of documenting that, how, you know, Facebook and Google ads spend its way down, which which helps. But I guess it's just for me, it all it always goes back to, you know, who are you as a company? Are you a company that's trying to to profit and strike a profit in all this? Or are you prof- a company that that isn't, you know, that's not your end game? And um and it's weighing that. It's weighing that spend against profitability and all that. But I mean, that, that's where we are. It's it's a tricky time just with that balance for sure. There's a there's an interesting component to your business where there's it seems like there's some logistical uh, challenges in getting furniture to a consumer. Um, it, have you noticed any sort of supply chain interruption in either inbound inventory or in getting you know the customers that are purchasing the products that they've bought? Yeah, the the, the interruption on the supply chain side um, hasn't been an interruption, I and mean, we've been pretty good. We do keep a lot of we we keep high inventory levels, uh, which is you know one of our differentiators. Uh, so I mean, I think that's good. We had a lot of inventory in um, whatever little delays we saw didn't impact us too much. I mean, I think on the um, fulfillment side, it's really just a matter of, um, you know, communication with the customer. Like every customer, we have to take the time and say, can can you receive? If not, we'll hold it. We'll, we'll waive any storage fees. Um, and it's just, uh, it's it's really just that communication aspect. And so far, we really haven't had too many issues. We more less Less issues on the consumer side, more issues on larger projects that were due to receive this month and now can't because they're not opening. Ooh, uh, Denise, uh, how are things doing at Bowman? And um, I know you, you know, you manage many channels, including a, a very famous channel that do we mention Amazon on here? Are they good guys or bad guys now? I don't know. You manage a lot of different channels. I, I'm curious what life looks like across uh, the totality of all the channels that you manage in the digital commerce for Bowman Hats. Sure. So um, when all this started, so we're Pennsylvania based. And so the week of March 16th was really when it all started with stay at home orders, um, businesses that could or could not open. And unfortunately, the majority of our business is manufacturing wholesale to mom and pop, as well as big box retailers and online. Um, and we do private label. And so the factory was shut down. We weren't allowed to ship wholesale you know, imports were kind of shut down, anything we were importing. Um, and so e-commerce was it. Um, we we did shift gears and in the factory started to manufacture masks from some of the hat bodies and we've been getting them tested. So it's a little bit different than the material masks that everyone else is making. We don't have, you know, traditional sewing machines or traditional fabrics. Um, but we've been getting them tested in some of the, the light felt pounded uh, wool, which might sound, you know, heavy is, is actually pretty breathable. Um, we're getting that tested for filtration and, and we're pretty positive that it's going to come back, that they're actually a little bit more filtered um, than a cotton mask. And so, you know, it was too it was twofold for, for that part of the business. It was for us to be able to ensure work for our employees while being very, um, you know, very conscious of any safety, but also being able to maybe produce something that would be helpful. But on our traditional business end, we, um, e-commerce again was it. So we're able to ship e-commerce we basically shifted gears, re- threw out our old marketing calendar for April and redid an entirely new marketing calendar, huh. um, focusing almost as if it was Black Friday, Cyber Monday kind of uh, campaigns. Um, we upped our sends, we upped our affiliates, we started targeting things in affiliates like news channels and airline mile loyalty programs. Um, thinking that people would potentially need to, you know, earn those miles in another way since they weren't traveling. So Hmm. that has been 
doing really well for us. We also upped our, our um, SEM spend as well as our spend in Amazon. Um, and we're seeing some really good results from that. And we use something digital for our, for our um, paid media. Uh, there's an interesting uh, point that you just made there. I'm going to go ahead and launch a poll uh, while we uh, kind of shift topics a little bit. Uh, the poll will be, uh, how are sales doing in your e-commerce channel today? And uh, so there's three options. There's up, there's flat, and there's down. And uh, if you are in e-commerce services in some way, an agency or a, a brand manager um, uh, or in paid media, uh, I, I'm curious to, uh, you know, it, it, this would apply to the brands in your portfolio that you're managing. Um, right now, 86% say up uh, with a few, a scant few saying flattened down. We'll let that sort of normalize as we talk. But you mentioned, Denise, that you, Bowman's pivoted a bit toward producing PPE or uh, that personal protective equipment. Uh, I, I'm curious, Ian, I, I believe you've done somewhat of the same um, under the Favor brand. Yeah, so at Favor, we um, partnered with one brand at first, Anshal. Um, they're, they're out of Kentucky. They had some masks, and these were cotton masks, again, not, not the medical side. Uh, we did. Uh, we sold those through uh, Favor. We sold about 250 in eight hours, um, wow. and uh, we did a percentage of sales to a cr criminal domestic violence uh, fund. We, we offered a percentage of sales to that. Um, then got connected with a group out of Buffalo, New York called Stitch Buffalo, which is a 501c3, uh, where they are creating jobs for um, immigrant women, uh, helping them find, you know, fair, uh, reasonable wages and good working practices. And so we partnered with them. And uh, we're, we actually just got our first shipment in, took us 48 hours to sell through those. And again, a percentage of those are going to the 501c3, and then another percentage is going to Boston Medical Center and the work they're doing on COVID. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's, well, I really uh, like what I hear Denise is doing. It's, 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 a, um, it's building on just simply, hey, masks are a niche right now, and let's go over to, after the mask niche. And it's like, uh, I mean, I got, there are some out there where it's literally they're taking, they make t-shirts and they're taking, you know, t-shirts and cutting them down and making masks and Seriously, you could you could spit through them, and I mean these offer no protection whatsoever. So I mean, I think it's different for us. It's like we took a maker approach. It's not like we have machines or we have like a manufacturing that we could turn around and just say, okay, we're going to make masks now. You know, how can we do this in terms of both the maker approach, in terms of a fashion forward approach, and um, also some sort of altruistic good there in terms of working with this five hundred one c three and being able to offer funds to Boston Medical Center. Uh. I, I'm, I'm heard. I heard some rumblings. I don't know if it's public information yet. Even you were talking about the future of producing more masks and limited runs, and maybe in collaboration with other brands continuing. Can you maybe shed some light on that? Myself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've 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 um, we have talked to uh, a couple other brands in terms of working with us at cost or donating kind of um, some fabrics. We did we did talk to Cravate about potentially working with them. And, and that's an open conversation. And, and they are definitely willing to work with us to the extent that they have supplies. I mean, Kravit's done an amazing job in terms of what I've heard from Kravit is, you know, they're also working in, in masks a little bit, but theirs were donating some to their own customers and donating to the medical community around them uh, as they could. So, I mean, I think um, it's a, <laughs> it, masks has become almost the new Tums, yeah? You know, it, there's almost <laughs> a... Um, there's a uh, buy one, give one aspect to it that we've seen. And I mean, everyone's trying to get their, their beaks wet. And I think it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a sign of the times. Um, it, it, everything's a sign of the times. I mean, Phil, I, I quoted your tweet to a lot of people, including, uh, my mom, you know, and saying that it's not just, uh, masking tape on the floors anymore, but there's like legit signs out there on, at, on and public's telling you which direction to go. That's not makeshift anymore. So, um, yeah, no. I guess we're all just sort of just figuring it out. Yeah, there's a, a a sense that there's going to be some permanence to the current situation we're in. And uh, you can see that in, it was a lot of like, you, makeshift is a great word. There was a lot of makeshift advertising that sort of was stopgap uh, the last few weeks. But now we're seeing very highly produced uh, ad creative. We're seeing... Uh, 
professionally printed signs that encourage social distancing. Um, uh, businesses are having to uh, to pivot in every way, not just ones that operate physical brick and mortar locations, but e-commerce as well. And to how how we even approach this, I was blown away um, at the number of brands that are producing masks and other kind of P- PPE. Uh, but they don't have a, an elegant way of categorizing it in the context of their store. So they haven't created like a category for it. It's mm-hmm. just like, I don't, they don't even know where it lives because it doesn't really like it's, it's just, it's slapped as like a top hat banner at the, at the top. It's like, and we're doing this and like, we're like, just, we need to do something in this moment. Um, I'm, I want to dive in a little bit. Denise, into that uh, point, you said you're sort of executing the Black Friday playbook. Uh, that's fascinating to me. Kind of talk a little bit about that because I think there's this sense of uh, I have sensed, and I've been a little passive aggressive about it uh, uh, on Twitter and and other places uh, that there's like the tone police of it's not okay to be uh, salesy right now, right? Like this is we're in a serious moment, but. Um, uh, it sounds like you are sort of managing a bunch of uh, real needs and pressures in the business to move through inventory, to uh, you know, to actually keep the business running, and to try to you know make goals. So maybe you could talk a little bit about those pressures in your role and you know how you're executing against that today. Yeah, I think for us, you know, so Bowman is actually an ESOP, so we're an employee owned. We're all employee owners, and we feel great pride in the business, no matter if it's you know our own department or not. And so for e-commerce, we really felt a sense of responsibility to do all that we could to make sure that we were helping along the way, especially in the point where yeah, we might only be ten percent of the business right now, but you know, how do we help keep people not being furloughed or, you know, keep some of the business going and keep cash coming in. Um, and so it, it, you know, it's a really big sense of responsibility for us. Um, and then also making sure that when we do come out of this, that we're not left as a company with huge amounts of inventory. And so we're getting, you know, pretty, um, creative in ways, even to think about how we might partner with wholesale customers or retailers when we can reopen. Um, how do we partner with them in ways that we may not ever have thought about? Do we fulfill for them? Do we, you know, create landing pages for them? Do we advertise for them? Do we do some kind of partnerships that help us both, you know, after we're able to um, and coming out of this? And so, yeah, for us, it was a real sense of you know, how do we adjust? And also, you know, we sell hats, right? So we're not trying to be anything more than that. We're not, um, I saw this great tweet that said, you know, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago it was Toyota's advertising was buy this car. Now it's, we're all in this together, buy this car. Um, <laughs> we didn't want to have this like fake sense of like, you know, we're in this together. We're here for you by a hat. We're, we're honestly saying like, you know what, like if you want to feel normal, sometimes it is about like that personal purchase. This isn't something of a, you know, a huge purchase, but if you go out running and you need a baseball hat, if you're stuck at home and you're gardening, you need sun protection or, or a sun hat. Um, we're not trying to do anything except entice with promotion and messaging around that. Um, we're also really promoting our American made. We're very proud of the fact that we manufacture in the United States. There's a great um, resurgence of that right now. Um, and so, you know, no more than just saying like, we want to get our, our teams and employee owners back to work um, as fast and as safe as possible. Um, and so, you know, one way for people to do that is to support American made, um, and purchase that way. I think we saw a little bit of an uptick with potentially some stimulus check money because we had kind of a, um, the last two weeks, a little, you know, bigger, um, bump. Um, I'm hoping it stays that way. So our sales have actually been growing the last five weeks. Um, you know, we're up. 30% 30% of budget for our websites and 75% to last year. So wow. doing really well. But it is this big, big aggressive campaign. With that, we are making sure that we are listening to our customers' feedback, whether that's actual or not. Um, 
in, in either looking at unsubscribe rates on emails or spam, um, or it's a physical phone call or email to us about, you know, any feedback of marketing or what we're doing, we really take that into consideration. So we're monitoring that and, you know, adjusting as we need to. Right now we're doing a promotion around American made and, um, and we're also giving away uh, a, a mask for every purchase on hats.com for the next three days. Uh, wow. Um, there's, it, it, it's so funny because you're not the only one who's mentioned this sort of need to, uh, to like get, like, we don't need to be apologists about being in business to like sell products. And, right. and, you don't have to like hedge that or bookend it with any sort of uh, uh, it with any softer message than just here's a discount. And um, well, it's like, go ahead. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like e-commerce and marketing has followed the same trends. Like it's followed the shopping trends, right? It's like the first two weeks they say it was all about toilet paper and paper towels and napkins and hand sanitizer. And then weeks two and three were about bake, were about yeast or three and four were about yeast and then weeks five and six were about clippers, hair clippers and hair coloring. So, I mean, it's like marketing's gone the same way. It's like the first week we all got like how everyone from Allbirds to Banana Republic to whomever was handling COVID. And like, we sure, rest assured, like your box is being not touched by anyone else. And then week two was like, okay, well, maybe we'll start doing promos. And now week six, it's just everyone's running a Black Friday sale. And that's sort of where we're at. Um, I bet I think, you know, to Denise, Denise's point, the more we're able to be um, genuine about it, the better. This podcast is brought to you by Something Digital. Something Digital is a full-service e-commerce agency specializing in strategy, design, digital marketing, and more. Something Digital has award-winning creative design and world-class engineers that can deliver any size project from concept to launch. Something Digital is a Magento Enterprise and Shopify Plus partner. Put your e-commerce site to work with Something Digital. Check them out today at somethingdigital.com slash podcast. There's like this fake authenticity that if that's not been your brand message from the get-go, um, like a lot have tried to sort of uh, trust wash it. Uh, and I feel like that rings hollow in many cases. Um, I do think that there's like softer ways of selling that you're doing something extra that you hadn't done before. Um, a friend of mine sent me a random like Snapchat, like a picture of uh, a Papa John's box. And there's this like new sticker that they put over it to show that it hasn't been opened like since mm. it was like closed. And it's like, oh, see the sticker? It's like, it's the seal of whatever. Like it's the quality seal. And I, my response was, why on earth are you buying Papa John's pizza? But I digress. Um, so <laughs> uh, we actually got a question in the chat. And John is asking, uh, how are you all thinking? I'll, I'll let you both take a stab at this one. How are you thinking about uh, a changing customer base? Are there traditional segments that are changing and how? Do you feel like your customer segments are shifting around? Are you attracting new business? Uh, are you reattracting, you know, uh, uh, lapsed customers or those who have, uh, you know, fallen out of the, the purchase consideration cycle? What? How do you think that's changed in your context? Uh, for us, we haven't seen too much of a shift. Uh, we are getting a lot of new customers, but we were trending getting a lot of new customers. Our Kangle brand is kind of very on trend right now. And so the, the new customer business has been pretty good. Where we are seeing a shift is a little bit more inorganic and affiliate. Um, and, you know, we have had some competitors, depending on where they are, need to shut down either their stores that they were advertising about or and or their e-commerce business. And so we have been able to kind of gain a little bit there um, from those, you know, from that from that area. Ian, any, uh, I, yeah, you said you've had some pretty explosive growth on the favor side. Do you know if that's a, uh, where's that growth coming from at the moment? And how, is that a new type of a customer? I mean, I think for, well, on the industry west side, I think we've definitely seen more 
growth than expected on the consumer side. Uh, I think consumer has really been what's kept the website growing this this month uh, and exceeded our, our revenue expectations for the month. Um, had the trade side been buying, I mean, it would have we would have exploded past you know um, what we were expecting to do this month on the favor side. I mean, I think it it's interesting because the favors April was a year for favor, so it's hard to kind of get a great apples to apples of where we were and where we are now. But um, I think um, we obviously struck a chord at people wanting you know something to add something not too expensive but nice and pretty to you know improve the space around them. Um, obviously everyone with favor is generally a new customer right now. So, uh, but I mean, we've seen, I, I think it's all kind of hand in hand with, um, us being able to, to up our spend, offer a sale, um, or not rather up our spend, but get more out of our spend with the lower CPMs, um, mm-hmm. offer a good sale and just have, have the right product at the right time. And people are home and they're bored. I mean, they want something to buy. And whenever was there ever a time when Kangol wasn't on brand? I mean, what, what is wrong? Who who doesn't? I mean, what's wrong with those people? <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson has made Kangol cool for thirty years. I, I mean, honestly, I know it's it's kind of a mainstay. Um, it's kind of you know you have the. I was just watching the Beastie Boys uh, um, special on Apple, and I was like, oh, that's our hat. It's from nineteen eighty six. But, you know, we're still selling the same bucket hat, and it and it is just exploding. So, Philip, to get back to one one other point of your um, of your question was, are you doing anything? We haven't really seen too much in our traditional win back campaign, but one of the things we launched this week was we took all of our open balanced gift cards where we have. Um, emails because some we do for giveaways or promotions that we don't have emails for, but anybody that we had an email for that had a balance, we're doing an email out to them with a coupon code to entice them to use up their gift card. Hopefully getting some extra sales that way too. And cleaning that kind of, you know, bucket up. Yeah. You're uh, I'm sure finance is pleased with that. Uh, oh yeah. They're very happy about that. The- Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm going to launch a poll here for uh, those watching on the webinar live. Uh, as a consumer, are you buying more online than you were prior to stay-at-home orders? Um, I'm. This is a softball. I feel like everybody's buying more online, um, or I believe that I'm the model consumer. I'm buying more online. I mean, I guess if you put grocery in there, you have to, right? I believe so. There's an interesting thing. I, I'm curious what you two have done. Have you utilized curbside delivery or uh, at-home delivery more of services you would usually have gone to a brick and mortar for? Um, Grocery I delivery, guess, that sort of I'm thing. I'm ordering more Instacart than I ever did before. Um, and I feel like when I can actually get a delivery window, it's like this like gamification of, I don't really even need anything else, but I got a delivery window. So I'm going to throw some things in a car and like <laughs> I have a whole week and it's like, oh my God, okay. I have three days left to add stuff to it. I have two days left to add stuff. Do I need anything else? And start like going through the pantry, going through the fridge, but we have six hours left. Oh my God. They started to pick it. We can't add anything else. Like it's like this weird gamification. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else out there is experiencing this, but I don't I take it back. You are the model consumer. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I don't need more food in my house. I'll go ahead and close the poll with 94% responding. Uh, Noelle says, oh, oh Noelle, thank you. Uh, she <laughs> concurs with you. Um, yes, more people. Uh, 76% say they're buying more and uh, 18% are neutral with only one respondent saying they're buying less online. Uh, we found the prepper. I don't know who you are, but you're on this chat right now. You, you, were, you were prepared for this. You were ready. Um, this is great. I, I'm, I'm curious for... Uh, you know, for the future of the business, if we could all try to divine the future a bit, not that anybody has any ability to really do that. But how do you how do you do, you know, demand forecasting and demand planning? How are you ordering inventory for Q3, you know, Q4 right now? What a what a matzo ball of a question. (laughs) (laughs) As I like to say. Um Konsky matzo ball reference. Um so I think 
that's tough. That's so difficult. I mean, I think that's where we are. Is and 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 we you know having that conversation with the ops and finance side and and saying, well, Ian, what what do you what do you think Q three is going to bring? And me saying, you know, like you're you're punking me, right? Like I have any idea. And um, it's so difficult to see. Are we going to still be so beholden on consumer side? Or are we going to be um, dependent? Uh, you know, is is the trade going to come back? Um, it's, it, I really don't know. I mean, I think, um, we're going to have to assume what April brought in terms of what cash goals we didn't hit, what sales goals we didn't hit are going to persist for at least the next six months, in my opinion, minimum, bare minimum. Um, and it, unfortunately I think it's going to be closer to 18. Um, and I think that's how buying has to persist. Denise? I think for us, it's so because we're a smaller part of the business, um, you know, our numbers, we're forecasting our our fall, but in some cases, the source product, you know, we would need to see what we could potentially cut or it's already kind of on the way. The good part about us being a manufacturer is that we can pivot very quickly within our own factory to up or down some of the the forecast or some of the production um, for that. So uh, we've been pretty good. uh, And then also being able to utilize the e-commerce channels as a liquidation aspect um, for anything that we might find we're overstocked or um, in some cases we have you know, wholesale private label customers that might have canceled something, we can quickly turn that around and put that up on the website and kind of sell through there. Um, So Hmm. that's kind of how we're looking at it. But as far as forecasting, yeah, it's kind of um, just a number out of your butt. Um, And, you know, (laughs) finances, uh, yeah, I said that nicely. Um, But uh, Thank you, Denise. We we want to retain our uh, clean rating on iTunes. I know. I should get a star for that because my filter usually doesn't work that quickly. Um, But (laughs) for us, it's tough because I keep having finance or, you know, wholesale asking, can you forecast out through July? Can you forecast out through the rest of your year? year?" And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I can give you numbers, but who knows? I mean, I think the one, if there's any kind of silver lining um, to this is that this all did this happened in March, April, the big kick of this and not November, December for us. Wow. Um, so, you know, I think that gives us the rest of the year to think about and plan and be able to adjust. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a, a an opportunity here um, or there are businesses that will recognize that they were underinvested in e-commerce and, and sort of need to double down now? Or do you think that uh, those businesses probably don't survive this anyway? And the ones who had made preparatory investments in digital channels are the ones that are more poised to succeed? Ian, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the big question. That's the big takeaway of all this. And, and I think, um, Phil, I know you follow Web on Twitter, and I think that's Web's like really daily go-to in terms of our e-com marketplace domestically is is minuscule compared to what we see overseas, particularly in China. Yeah. And everyone's going to need a marketplace. And this has proven that everyone does need a marketplace. And I look at our neighbors in Soho that, you know, I, one is Henry Built. And I mean, Henry Built doesn't sell online. They need people to come into the studio. Um, even after this, even after this, if you get to someone to come into the studio that one time for a consultation, you better be able to allow them to then complete the transaction online afterwards because they're not going to come back in the second time. So, I mean, I think, um, I think the outcome of this is going to be explosion of e-com. I mean, and, and I think at the end, I'm really curious who's going to, is it going to be all these sites that don't have a marketplace currently just spinning up sites or is someone going to come in and provide that, you know, um, provide that marketplace uh, d- dependent on the vertical, I think is, is interesting, or they're all going to run to Amazon or, or how's that going to work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there, there has to be, there's going to be a huge investment in e-commerce in my opinion. Denise, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, uh, you know, on technology investment. If you just look around in your peer groups, do you, do you see others uh, sort of enjoying the fruits of their success of having invested in e-com early? 
Yeah, I think definitely people, I mean, we're definitely seeing, you know, even some either competitors or some of our wholesale clients that were very heavily invested in their store because that was the tradition and, you know, they've been in business since forever, Um, not really thinking about e-commerce or their website except as kind of a a nice to have and not a need to have. And I think that that's definitely going to shift just with consumers shifting. I don't know that even when things quote unquote open back up, that consumers are going to be confident enough to crowd a mall or crowd, you know, main street stores. And so they might walk around window shop, but yeah, they're going to want to go back home in, in the comfort of their house and, and order. And, um, and I think too, what that becomes is, uh, e-commerce needs to become more, holistic. You know, when I worked at Pet360, we had a really great CEO, Brock Weatherup, who, who when we um, launched Pet360.com, you know, it was all about what we called content, commerce, and community. And it wasn't just a shopping basket place for a transaction. It was more about learning and connecting. And I think that that's going to have a bigger resurgence, not just around user generated content, but, you know, more even chats and communities within websites, things like that, that will help connect consumers more um, than external. So I, I get be interested in your take on, because this is a weird convergence of what we expect to see in a growth in e-com, and then also how the market has shifted against the unicorns that venture-backed kind of we don't make money, but we do cool stuff and we have community. And these are going to come to a point, right? Where like a dollar has to be get, a dollar spent has to be get $8 earned. And, um, and it has to happen online. And, and, and how does that happen? I mean, last week on Rico Decode, Scott Galloway said, you know, it's been 10 years of champagne and cocaine. And now everyone's, you know, kind of, as only Scott can say. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, I mean, but now, you know, and now we're at a point where we have to all adjust and we have to, to pivot and we have to pivot, you know, how we operate, you know, where we operate and, and the efficiency in which we operate. And we can't, you know, and, and the, the, those are going to come to a, to, to an apex or an intersection. And, and I guess it's really how companies react to that. I, yeah, I, I it's an interesting question. And I don't think one that I've thought enough about um, uh, and one I probably will muse on a long time after this, but um, my gut reaction is that there is still a place in this world for a brand that stands for more than just uh, a good product. Um, I feel like people want a story and they want a story that they identify with and connect with. And some brands can do that without having to you know, uh, adopt every single ideal or every single political position that exists, right? So if you can tell a compelling story of how a brand can fit into someone's life, let's say Apple. Uh, Apple has a sustainability story, but they don't lead with it 100% of the time. They have a human-centered story and how they're empowering, you know, small business owners and whatever. But they've got a story for creatives. But it's not like they have to lead with that story in every conversation to make them differential and stand out. That's probably... Uh, the worst example that I could come up with. There's a million modern brands. But um, so I do believe there's still a place in the marketplace for idealistic brands to to connect with customers who will only shop based on their purpose and their ideals. But I, uh, those brands, to this point, there was a, a what they were calling a, the DTC apocalypse. Like this sort of idealistic brand wasn't going they weren't making it prior to coronavirus shutdowns. They were they were falling right. uh, down left and right. There were many closures. Brandless was one of them. Um, and and I feel like we'll see many more in this time. Uh, but they can't all survive forever at a loss. And especially right now, um, I think what we'll see is a lot of uh, venture and private equity not be able to raise another fund and not be able to go around the horn one more time. And LPs are going to you know move their money to, to other things that aren't in retail. And... Um, so we'll probably see a huge investment in in healthcare. Uh, we'll see a, a huge investment in telehealth and uh, in home medicine and that sort of thing. Um, a lot of infrastructure business and technology business that will make logistics infrastructure much better and compete against Amazon. And I think the consumer will be trained that if they have to wait around... Right now, everyone seems very patient. I should ask you guys this. this is a great question to ask you of your customers. But 
I think consumers are more patient now than they have ever been to get stuff that they ordered. And they're, and they're being retrained and their expectations are being reset. And this is a great time for brands that couldn't get products to customers, uh, UPS two-day, uh, no questions asked, or even the same day or next day um, to capitalize on that, that new customer expectation. Um, but I, I, those are all kind of riffing off the top of my head. Do your customers, uh, Denise, seem to be a little more patient these days when waiting for products to arrive? And... Um. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like we kind of, this has been a conversation for the last almost three years that I've been here is that, you know, we, we send FedEx, um, sure post or smart post and, um, it's not where the consumer's at and they're expecting two day. I don't know that consumers necessarily are just sitting home saying, yeah, I think I'll be more patient because of COVID. I honestly think that Amazon enforced that because people are saying, oh, if Amazon can't get me stuff in two days, hmm. I'm absolutely not going to expect hats.com or, you know, right. anyone else to be able to get it. If I have to wait a week for an Instacart delivery, like I think that it was um, ingrained in consumers. I don't know that it was holistically like evolved over this beautiful people just know to wait because, you know, there are harder things in the world because I still see people, you know, complaining about even their Amazon orders and stuff, but it's definitely gotten less. I don't think us, I haven't heard anything from our customer service that people have been saying like, where's my order as much. Um, but I don't know that it's just become, I think it's honestly just Amazon enforcing that saying, if I can't get you your hair color that you ordered until May 3rd, there's no way your hat's going to come in from this other little site or whatever, or this proprietary site. So that's my thought. Uh, there was a question that uh, Shane Thomas had asked in, in the Q&A, which uh, I think is really timely. Um, how are you balancing the workday with yourself and your employees during this work from home chapter in your careers? Um, you know, are and he says, I'm seeing the workday expectations progressively leach into weekends and late evenings. Um, big halo effect on sort of home invading work and work invading home um, while everybody's kind of working from home. Ian, thoughts on that one? Do you take calls yeah, from the Peloton bike? I guess is the question I should ask. Only, uh, only if you're connected with me. So select few who follow me on Peloton. Um, I do not, Caitlin. Um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I think it's been tough for me for me lately. Um, it, I think it has been more. I, I need to force myself to turn off. Um, and I think um, it, it's weird because it's you know you're home, you're home with the kids, and it's stepping away for an hour to to, to help with school or to we go you know take a walk down to the pond and do some fishing, and okay, I'll make that hour back up, you know later on in the evening, but then later on in the evening, I, I don't want to do that. Like I, I want to be able to turn off and, and I feel like doing that more and more, I'm having a harder time falling asleep and it's just kind of this spiraling thing and then not wanting to, um, and then I'll slack members on my team, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And, and I start the slack with like, please don't reply. Like, I don't want them to expect because I'm slacking, I'm expecting them to be working. Like don't reply, but this is the time I have to slack you now with the question I have answer me in the morning. And then I feel bad when they when they do reply at nine o'clock at night because, and you don't want to set that expectation. But yeah, I mean, it it definitely has started to invade the home a bit. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I think you know you, you take the high points with it. And I mean, the time I'm blessed to be in a position where you know I still do have a job and I, and and things and, and we are okay, and that I have this time with my family and and have this time with my wife, have this time with our kids, and you know, again, like. Although we, I was on a Zoom this morning and he was a bit of an aggressive, you know, turn his camera on Zoom person. Like I was able to sit there next to my son and um, while he was doing his work, I was doing my work and it, it was great, you know, and, and that's great. And and it's times, I mean, this is, it's so, it's so unique. But yeah, I mean, I think there is a retraining aspect, but I mean, I think as a, I, I, my my recommendation is like as a manager to to not set, to set the expectation that you don't expect your employees to to be doing the same. And, you know, Again, just this is my schedule and the schedule I keep, and 
And it's always sort of been like that for me too, is because like when my kids got out of school, when we did have school, it was like from three o'clock till eight o'clock, I was basically an Uber driver. So like I would come back after, after soccer and everything. So I would come back and um, yeah. And, and then, then I would just have time to work suddenly at eight o'clock. So, you know, so, but I think, um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting. Hmm. Any, any thoughts on that, Denise? How are you managing the, the work from home life? I mean, for us, so for me personally, I've worked from home two to three days a week for the last six years. So it's not a big adjustment for me. I also don't have kids. So I'm not, uh, I don't have that added pressure of needing to also either, you know, wash them or help with schoolwork or anything. So that's, um, you know, a little bit better for me. Uh, we have, you know, a six person e-commerce team. One of the people on our team is based out of Washington in Vancouver, Washington. And so she's remote all the time. Um, we were always big on DMing, whether we use Slack and now we use Ring Central because it's company wide, constantly having conversations that way. Um, and everybody on my team always worked from home one to two days a week as well. Some of them have kids. And so, you know, just last week I had, I was having a conversation because um, our merchandiser has a two-year-old and her husband was going back into the office this week. And, you know, I said to her, if she was getting a little, um, you know, upset thinking about needing to bring, to take her daughter back to um, the daycare that uh, the lady that watches her daughter and I said, well, figure it out. Like what works for you for hours? You don't, don't think about your work day as eight to five. It doesn't have to be. And I think even before this, we never thought about, or I never thought about it. I honestly think as long as we can all connect, whether that's through DMs or emails or, you know, we use Rike for project management Um, we're constantly in communication. And so I don't worry about if someone's, you know, running their dog to the vet or taking, you know, a couple hours to kind of calm down a two-year-old tantrum. Um, You know, you have a job, you're an adult, get your work done and, and, you know, just make sure that we're all communicating. So that's kind of how we've been working. And we always had a a Monday morning team video conference, um, and we continue with that. And, um, and we just added a Thursday kind of team huddle in the afternoon to kind of connect again, um, every week to make sure we're kind of still all talking and just seeing each other's faces, um, you know, on that zoom call. So, um, that's kind of where we are. And we also always started our Monday meetings. This is something that happened at another job of mine, but we always start our Monday meetings with, um, we go around and we start with one good thing that happened at work last week and one good thing that happened personally. And that way we're not just getting right into the meeting and we connect a little bit more on a personal level. Uh, that, I mean, that's that's such a great place of positivity to to start uh, everything. I Not to sort of like virtue signal in any way, but I made a change a few uh, years ago to start my day with uh, writing down gratitudes, like things that you know, I'm, I'm thankful for. And, you know, I always start with like my wife and my kids and, you know, thankful to have a job at something digital. I hope you're watching John, Mike and Greg. And, you know, but after that first few, like you start to think about other things too. And that's, uh, it always, it always starts me off centered, like in a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have a lot to be grateful for in, uh, in our industry right now, because things could certainly be worse. I'm not saying things are great and they're not bleak. And in no way do I, you know, I feel like I have a little bit of survivor guilt in that uh, most of the companies that we're working alongside and with at Something Digital are faring pretty well through this. And uh, we're we're going to be okay, right? But uh, that's not the case for everybody in our industry. And it's not the case for all of the people that I know uh, who, you know, there are a bunch of people out of work. Um, and so I, I, I certainly carry a little bit of guilt on that, but at the same time, I just feel very grateful that, uh, at least we're not going through this alone. Uh, we can lean on each other, uh, you know, and smart folks like you to help us, you know, 
hear what your challenges are. And, you know, if, if for nothing else, kind of have that shared experience of trying to manage your way through this kind of a moment. Um, as we're coming up on time, you know, I'll just prompt the, the uh, folks on the live webinar. If you have any last questions, get them in now uh, before we wrap up. Uh, but thought I would just kind of uh, thank you both for taking time out of your day to do this. And I know that it, you know, being on a video chat is, uh, or at least the seventh one uh, that you'll be on this week is, you know, is a bit of a sacrifice. So I do appreciate you being so open and transparent too. Well, this was fun. Thanks for having us. I expect um, carrot cake next time. I was going to say. Uh, now I got to buy two pieces. Two <laughs> back to a conference. If if I had to go back to our poll, uh, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of folks who really like carrot cake. Forty percent of people said they ha- they got to have some carrot cake. That's an important thing. Gotta, gotta have. <laughs> I think uh, you know, some of those people so. All right. Well, this is uh, this has been great. It doesn't look like we have any other questions coming in at this time, so uh, we'll we'll end it right here. Uh, Ian Leslie from Industry West, where we can where can we send people to go buy some furniture and some other things for their home to uh, nest and make things a little bit nicer? Sure. Yeah, industrywest.com and infavorof.com. And Denise, where can people buy their own uh, Kangol hat and and rep their very best Samuel L. Jackson uh, impression? Yeah, so you can go to kangol.com, K-N-G-O-L, or you can just go to hats.com and see all of our brands. Awesome. Well, Ian, Denise, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for watching or listening to Merchant to Merchant. And uh, this will be live on our podcast. You can subscribe everywhere podcasts are found. It's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Premium, or on any smart speaker device by asking it to just play Merchant to Merchant. And... Uh, Yeah, we really appreciate your support and be safe out there. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys.